Hey, good morning, everybody. We're so thankful that you've uh, joined us this morning for our podcast and for our, our, our live stream here at fbczealand.org. My name is Jeremy, and I'm one of the pastors here, and we are going to be entering into a new study this morning, but we'll do that in just a minute. Um, first, a couple of announcements before we continue to go. Um, the first one is, is underneath the, um, the, the page on our website where you find the live stream, you'll find our bulletin that's got some information about ministry-related things at first. And so feel free to download that and to engage with that uh, after we're done teaching here. Um, also, <clears throat> um, there is a, a discussion guide or a going deeper guide that you can do with your families gathered around after we're done with the teaching. And so you can, you can begin to make what we're going to talk about this morning a little more practical. And I'm so thankful for, for Ron, who was one of our elders who helped put that together. And so um, a couple of other quick things. The first one is we've been having a fantastic time gathering on Wednesdays for our midweek Bible study gathering. This week, we are going to be finishing up the book of Jonah with Jonah chapter four. So we invite you back uh, to join us 12 o'clock. We do that via Zoom. And if you'd like to know more about how to access that meeting, please contact our office or, um, or sign up for our weekly update that goes out every Wednesday. You can do that at the bottom right-hand corner of your, um, of your browser right now. Um, the next thing is for the next seven days here, we're going to be doing an FBC Zealand bingo. Now, you may not be able to see this because of the size or read all, all of the small stuff there. That's okay. It's available on our socials page, and it'll also be going out in our weekly email this week. Um, but this is a, a bingo chart that you can fill out, and the first one is the one in the middle that you might be able to see shaded blue, and it's... Uh, taking a selfie watching our live stream. So, hey, you're in a great place, whether you're watching this later today or whether you're watching this live. Take a selfie of your family and... Um and share it with us uh, if you feel comfortable doing that. We'd love to be able to see how you are gathered around uh, engaging with the body of Christ this morning. Even though we're scattered in our homes, we can still be of one heart and one mind in loving the Lord. And so take a selfie. I have absolutely loved receiving a lot of those photos, whether seeing them on Facebook or getting them as a text or, or seeing them in my email. They just bring a joy to our day. Um, the next thing, uh, if you're giving... Uh, uh, today, if you're a regular worshiper here or a, uh, or a member here and you want to know how to give uh, because of all this disruption, you can go to fbczealand.org slash give and you can set up things through your bank. But I just, I know we've received that question a couple times. You can also mail it in. We check our mail regularly and uh, we'd be happy to, uh, to help you however, way we, however we can. Um, Lastly, uh, here's contact information for us. This is also on our website, but I put this up here just to remind you, if you have any need, whether it be physical or spiritual, you can feel free to contact us. The best ways to do that right now are especially the email and the pastor on call. Great, great ways to, um, to engage with us. And if there's anything we can do in praying for you, please let us know. Um, we'd, we'd love to be able to do that. And so welcome this morning. We are going to be starting a new series today, and it's called People of Prayer. If you've been around our church for a little while now, you, you, you may know that over the course of the last six, nine months, uh, we have sought to be a people of the text and a people of prayer. And we're going to be spending some time over the next several weeks talking about what does it mean to be a people who, who, who pray, P people who engage with God. Pr prayer is not just this... Um, 
um, impersonal uh, religious experience. It, it's prayer is that which we, we go to God and we have conversation with God and we learn from God and, and, and he reveals his will and his, and his um, desires for us. And so we're going to be talking about this over the course of the next several weeks. And we're going to be doing this by looking at different Bible stories. So we're going to be in Exodus chapter 5 and 6 this morning, kind of going through a little bit, a big portion of text, but there's a couple things I want us to see as it pertains to prayer. So I invite you, if you don't have a Bible, grab one on your, um, on your portable device or something like that. Uh, grab a copy of the scripture this morning. We're going to begin. But before we do that, let's pray together. Our Father and our King, we thank you so much that we can gather today, that we can give thanks to you because your love endures forever. God, your faithfulness continues through all generations. Lord, thank you for meeting us here. God, we pray that you would teach us your ways, that we might rely upon your faithfulness, that you would give us undivided hearts, as your word says, so that we might fear your name, so that we might trust you. We praise you, O Lord, our God, with all of our hearts. We glorify your name forever. For great is your love to us, Lord, you have delivered us. God, wherever we are gathered this morning, uh, it's not by accident that we found our way here. And so, God, we pray that you would speak. I pray that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to set upon the truth that you want to teach us. For your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I hope you're ready to go. Um, a little bit of background as we get into our passage for this morning. Um, Exodus 4, 5, 6 uh, contain... Um, the pre-Passover story, before God redeems his children out of Egypt, uh, the people Israel out of Egypt where they're in slavery, um, he, he sends a guy, his name was Moses, all right, Moses. And Moses um, grew up uh, an Israelite, and then he went into Pharaoh's household. There's a whole like story behind that. We won't go there today. Um, Moses ends up killing an Egyptian because that Egyptian was beating up a, a Hebrew slave. And the, the incense in, in, in Moses' passion for his people rose up within him and he struck this Egyptian dead. Well, Pharaoh, who is king over all of Egypt, heard about this and wanted to kill him. And so Moses flees. Moses goes to a different section of the world, a different section of, of the, not, not even the country, but quite, quite a ways away. And he, he lives for 40 years as a shepherd. And one day God calls to him, this is Exodus chapter three, God calls to him, he says, Moses, I want you to be the one who goes and who brings my people out of Egypt, but I will take them out, but I need you to go. And Moses has this conversation with God, God, I don't have the words to speak. God, I'm not really, I can't do this. And God says, yes, you can. I will be with you. I will be with you. And so we come to, um, to, to chapter four, and God shows Moses some miraculous signs by which he could then show others um, the power of God. And later in chapter four, Moses returns to Egypt. He meets with these Israelite elders. And, and it says in chapter four, verse 31, it says, the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had paid attention to them, in other words, the Lord had heard their cry and that he had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshiped. And so we get this picture of the children of Israel saying, God has heard us. God has heard us in the midst of all of this struggle and all of this enslavement. And God has come to do something about that. They believe and they worship. 
Well, we jump into chapter 5, and um, Moses uh, comes to confront Pharaoh. God had told him in chapter 3, hey, I, I want you to, to go, and I want you to ask um, Pharaoh to let my people go so that they can come have a gathering and a festival to the Lord. And so Moses does that, and Pharaoh responds in verse 2. He says, who is Yahweh that I should obey him by letting Israel go? I do not know anything about Yahweh, and besides, I will not let Israel Israel go. And as a result of Moses asking Pharaoh, hey, I want you to let my people, God's people go. Um, Pharaoh says no, but Pharaoh doesn't just say no. He says, who is this Lord? And subsequently he says, apparently all of the people of Israel have way too much time on their hands. And so what Pharaoh does is, is he um, gives them tasks to do. They were building these bricks and he gave them these tasks to do. And these tasks involve straw. And he said, I'm no longer providing you a straw. You're going to go have to find your own. And so the people are beaten down. They're worn down because as it says in chapter five of Exodus, verse five, Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are so numerous and you would stop them from working. And, and he comes down and he says, he says, I don't want you to cause them to neglect their work. In, in fact, in verse 9, impose heavier work upon the men. Then they will be occupied with it and not pay attention to deceptive words. And so look with me, please, at Exodus 5, verses 10 and following. It says, so the overseers and the foremen of the people went out and said to them, this is what Pharaoh says. I am not giving you straw. Go get straw for yourselves wherever you can find it. But there will be no reduction at all in your workload. So the people scattered throughout the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. The overseers insisted, finish your assigned work each day, just as you did when straw was provided. Then the Israelite foremen, whom Pharaoh's slave drivers had set over the people, they were beaten and they were asked, why haven't you finished making your prescribed number of bricks yesterday or today as you did before? So the Israelite foreman went in and cried for help to Pharaoh. Why are you treating your servants this way? No straw has been given to your servants, yet they say to us, make bricks. Look, your servants are being beaten, but it is your own people who are at fault. But he said, you are slackers, slackers. That is why you are saying, let us go sacrifice to the Lord. Now get to work. No straw will be given to you, but you must produce the same quantity of bricks Verse 19, the Israelite foremen saw that they were in trouble when they were told, you cannot reduce your daily quota of bricks. When they left Pharaoh, they confronted Moses, who stood waiting to meet them. All right, so these people have just been told, no, you have to work harder now. You apparently have way too much time on your hands, and they're, they're hurt, they're beaten down, and they're incensed. And they go to Moses and Israel, or Moses and Aaron, after, after believing the message, believing that God has heard their cry, and they say this to Moses and Aaron. They say, may the Lord take note of you and judge, they said to him, because you have made us reek in front of Pharaoh and his officials, putting a sword in their hand to kill us. All right. Can you imagine the struggle that they are going through right now? Now, just for a second, imagine, imagine you're Moses. God has tapped you to lead his people out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of bondage. And they have heard and responded to your message. You go to Pharaoh and you say, hey, let God's people go so we can go worship, so we can go serve our God. 
and Pharaoh comes back like this. Not only does Pharaoh come back like this, but these four men come back like this, and they basically make it a really, really challenging conversation. The mission Moses was about is essentially blowing up in his face. And what do you do when the mission is blowing up? That's what we're going to look at this morning. And it comes back to this kingdom principle. You get your eyes on God. You get your eyes on God. In chapter 5, verse 22, here's what I want you to notice. One of the things I want you to notice. So Moses went back. He went back to the Lord and he asked, Lord, why have you caused trouble for this people? And why did you ever send me? Have you ever questioned something that someone sent you to do? You're like, why am I even here? Moses goes back to God and he goes, God, God, what's going on here? Why, why have you sent me? Why, why have you caused this trouble? Ever since I went into Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has caused trouble for this people and you haven't rescued your people at all. Um, Moses, in many ways, um, could have, could have handled this in a whole bunch of different ways. You, you, get the, you get the sense that Moses is frustrated. Maybe that he's unbelieving God's promises. Maybe even that he is accusing God. You haven't rescued your people at all. But what I want you to see is this word went back. This word went back in Hebrew. It's the word shuv. You can say that at your home. Shuv, all right? Uh, shuv is a word that means to turn or to return. Moses had many opportunity or many different options of what he could have done in this moment. He could have, you know, had a pity party with Aaron. He, he could have said, forget this. I'm going back to the wilderness. He, he could have um, complained to Pharaoh and gone back and, and done that in his own strength. He could have gone back to the Israelites. There's a whole bunch of different things he could have done. But notice he goes back to the Lord. I said our big key idea for today is to get our eyes on God. To be a people of prayer means that our eyes are focused on God. And here's what we see. Moses, even with all this raw, raw honesty, God, why have you t- caused this trouble? Why did you ever send me? And you haven't rescued your people at all. He says this directly to God. Directly to God. He, he doesn't withhold his struggle from God. In fact, he, he goes face to face with God. And he says, God, I don't understand. Now, something interesting happens when this, when this occurs. Um, but before I tell you that, it's like one commentator says, Moses blames Yahweh. You have done harm. You have sent. Following your message, Pharaoh has heard, hurt. You have not even begun to rescue. Moses is making this claim to God. But notice what God does. Chapter 6, verse 1. But the Lord replied to Moses. Imagine what would happen in your prayer life if, if, if you're praying to God and you all of a sudden hear God speak. Now, God may speak through his spirit to you. God may speak through his word to you. One thing we know for sure is God wants to be in relationship with his people. And we see this lived out in Moses' life. Moses has the gall. He has the, uh, the Hebrew word chutzpah to go before God and to say, God, what about this? And, Mo- and the Lord replies to Moses. The Lord says this, now you will see, be, see what I do to Pharaoh. Because of a strong hand, he will let them go. And because of a strong hand, he will drive them from his land. 
Moses asking this age-old question, why have you? Why am I here? You haven't. God, you don't care. Um, God, you're not active. This is not the case at all, though. God's ways and God's timing are not man's. Deliverance is in God's timing, and that is one of the things that Moses is reminding God, or that God is reminding Moses. God is saying, hey, there's something much bigger here. And, and, and it's not even something Moses doesn't already know. Moses has already been told there's something about the strong hand. Whenever you see something repeated in the scripture, it's a good thing to underline it because the, the writer wants you to understand something very strongly. And one of the things he wants you to understand here is this idea of strong hand. Because of a strong hand, he will let them out. Because of a strong hand, Pharaoh will drive them from his land. Whose hand are we talking about here? We're talking about God's. We find this repetition in scripture in chapter 3 of Exodus, verse 19, where it says, However, I know that the king of Egypt will not allow you to go. This is God talking to Moses before he sends him. Um, unless he is forced by a strong hand. And God says in verse 20 of chapter 3, I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my miracles that I will perform in it. After that, he will let you go. One of the things that God is reminding Moses is that God is still working. In fact, Mo, Pharaoh's rebuffing of this is actually not, 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 um, not something God didn't know about. God knew this would happen, and he knew that it would take uh, a strong hand to force Pharaoh to finally relinquish his hold on God's people. So, strong hand. In, in chapter 421, you see the, um, God's initial reply that Moses should expect this response from, from Pharaoh. But one of the things I find very fascinating is God's response is neither angry nor is it retributive. He, he, he doesn't say, Moses, you silly person, don't you know we had this conversation? He says, now you'll see what I will do to Pharaoh because of a strong hand my hand, because he, he will let them go. And because of a strong hand, he will drive them from his land. See, the battle that is going on here is not Moses versus Pharaoh. It's not Israel versus Pharaoh. The battle here is God versus Pharaoh. Pharaoh is standing direct in opposition to God. And, and actually, Pharaoh was believed to be a God. And the question going on here is, who, whose God are you going to serve? Are you going to serve Pharaoh or are you going to serve the only true living God? And we're going to see um, throughout the course, if you've read the Exodus account, you, you find all of these attacks upon um, the, the plagues that go on Egypt are actually God taking down another small g god of the Egyptians, finally with Pharaoh's own son. So the story is not just about God delivering his people. It's showing them who he is against the gods of this world. Key principle again is God hears our prayers. Turning to him is the first step in being ready to hear from him. In other words, let's get our eyes on God. In the midst of a situation we don't know how to control, we don't know what to do, what do we do? We go back to God and we let God speak to us. And we say, God, give me ears to hear. Give me a heart to understand. God, help me to know how you want me to live in light of this situation. And many times in those situations, God reminds us of things we already know, things that come from his word. 
So um, chapter six of, of Exodus, get your eyes on God. There you go. Chapter six of Exodus, verse two, read with me, please. Then God spoke to Moses, telling him, I am Yahweh. I appear to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, but I did not even reveal my name Yahweh to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land that they lived in as foreigners. Furthermore, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are forcing to work as, sla as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. What is God doing here? God is reminding Moses of who he is. You know, he, Moses questions God, what are you doing? God says, hey, my strong hand's coming. And oh, oh, by the way, let me remind you who I am. Years before, hundreds of years before, God, the Lord, had appeared to Moses' forefathers, Abraham, and to Isaac, and to Jacob, and he'd made covenants with them. We find those covenants in Genesis 12, Genesis 15, and so on. Um, and these covenants are based in the very identity of who God is. Now, it's interesting here. It says, I appeared, it says, I am Yahweh. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, but I did not reveal my name Yahweh to them. That does not mean that they did not know him by that name. What it means is this. It means that while they knew the promises that Yahweh had made to them, because if you go back to these accounts in Genesis, he, God clearly revealed himself as, as, as Yahweh to them. But they knew these promises, but they hadn't seen the complete fulfillment of these promises. What, what, Moses is, what, what God is telling Moses here is, is he's saying, hey, I, I, I haven't revealed how all this is going to go about. They trusted by faith that I would be faithful to my covenant promises. We, we looked at this word the other day, and it's the word yod heh vav -Hey. I, I don't have it up here. Nope, I don't. Um, and it's the divine name of God. It's the name by which God engages in relationship with his people. And this is the name that, that, that he's coming back to Moses saying, hey, I'm the God of relationship. I'm the God who will be faithful to what I have said. God reveals himself in this way. I am the Lord. And, and as, he, as God responds to Moses, he reminds him of these covenant promises that he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, how he heard the Israelites groaning and he remembered his covenant. In other words, God has not forgotten his people, even though it may feel like he has. He hasn't forgotten them. But some days it feels like he has. And so we find in verses 6 through 8, he says, therefore, you know, so that whole little part was from Moses there. And he says, uh, tell the Israelites, I'm Yahweh. I will deliver you from the forced labor, labor of the Egyptians and free you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and great acts of judgment. I will take you as my people and I will be your God. You will know that I am Yahweh, your God, who delivered you from the forced labor of the Egyptians. I will bring you to the land that I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you as a possession. I am Yahweh. He's reminding the Israelites through Moses of who he is and what he has done and what he will do. 
One of the things um, that, that happens every year, and we just got through this uh, season recently, is Passover. Passover began uh, a week ago, Wednesday, at, at sundown, and it went to Thursday this past week, uh, Passover and Festival of Unleavened Bread. And when you celebrate Passover, one of the things that happens at the Passover Seder is, is you remember um, the, the matzah, the, um, the, the bread made in haste. You remember the bitter herbs and the bitterness of slavery. You remember the shank bone. You remember all these things. When it comes to the Passover Seder, you remember these four promises that God makes right here. I will bring you out. I will redeem you. I will take you as my people and I will be your God. These are, these are God's promises to Israel. Hey, you're in slavery right now. You're in a really tough situation right now. You've cried out to me. 400 years in slavery. I will bring you out. I will redeem you. I will take you and I will be your God. These are the promises that were given to Israel. And, and, and the patriarchs who were given the promises of being in the land and having um, having people uh, come from their tribes and, and having large uh, amounts of kids. You know, it's interesting. Abraham, the, the patriarch of all, all of Israel, um, he was told that he'd be a great nation, that he'd be a father of a multitude. How many kids did Abraham have? Two. He had two. There were promises that God made to Abraham that Abraham did not see in their complete fulfillment. These promises, though, uh, do... These promises and the time intervening does not mean that God does that does not mean that God forgets what he has promised. And so this current audience, they're about to experience these promises and all the promises of God's covenant with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob with great power. God is essentially saying, look at me, here are my promises. They will happen. I'm reminded of a great hymn. It's, it's the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. And this hymn, the writer goes, um, And Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. And what is um, encouraging and fascinating about these words is that they're words written in the midst of a lot of grief. The words written in the midst of a lot of loss. Even here today, with what we face in our lives, in our nation today, there is loss and there's brokenness and there's fracture and there's frailty all around. And yet we look with eyes of faith to what God has done for us through his son, Jesus. And we say, Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. The trump shall resound, the Lord shall descend, even so it is well with my soul. And we can bank on those promises because the, the way that these are ultimately worked out is that the Messiah Jesus comes to bring us out of slavery to sin. He redeems us through his work by dying and rising again. He, he takes us to be his people. He gives us his spirit to indwell us and he becomes our God when we trust him by faith. Look with me, please, in Exodus chapter 6, verse 9, though. So these are the, these are the promises that, that um, God said, I want you to tell Israel to these. I want you to tell Israel these things. But in um, Exodus 6, 9, 
It says Moses told this to the Israelites. He, 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 he communicated God's message. But note this. They did not listen to him because of their broken spirit and their hard labor. Their broken spirit and their hard labor crushed them to the point where they did not even want to hear these encouraging words that come through Moses from God. Now, Pharaoh's a very smart guy. Pharaoh's a very smart guy. Uh, we, we read earlier that, that he said, I will give them more difficult work. That way um, they will be occupied with it and not pay attention to these deceptive words. Pharaoh's intention was to cloud the Israelites' minds with more demands clearly worked. And, it, and what it did was this, is it took their eyes from God and God's promises and God's fulfillment and it placed them on all the things around them. It placed them in the middle of their slavery, in the middle of their struggle. It placed them on Pharaoh. Their eyes were not on God. When it comes to learning to trust God and to engage God in prayer, come back to this truth, we have to get our eyes back on God to see his promises and to trust that God will bring those to fulfillment because he has and he will. The power of prayer is found in that it gets our eyes back on God. While it's easy to have our hearts turn away from the Lord, on other things, whether it be struggle with sin or a struggle of expectations or a situation or a mortgage or injustice, we can go back and we can say, God, I don't understand. God, I'm even struggling. God, why am I here? The first step in engaging with God is to get our eyes back on God. I love this passage in Isaiah chapter 26. It says, you will keep the mind that is dependent upon you in perfect peace for it is trusting in you. And, and I might just say that the mind that is dependent upon you begins with eyes that don't look on your situation, but rather they look on the one who is capable and sufficient to meet every single need you have. Now, remember that, that, that may mean that there is still struggle. In fact, it probably will mean that there is still struggle. Israel was slaves, were, were slaves for 400 years. God heard their cry. God knew what they were going through. God's ways are not our ways. Deliverance is in God's timing. What he calls us to do is to get our eyes off of this and to look to him, to, to, to lift our head. Um, one, one of the things I remember as a kid growing up is when, when one of my parents, particularly my dad, wanted to talk with me, um, usually because I had done something that I shouldn't have. Um, one of the things he would do is he would catch my eyes. Parents, you might know what I'm talking about. You want to have a conversation with that kid and they're going like, like this. What do you do? You look them square in the eye and you say, nope, look at me. Nope. Look right, right here, right here. If you want to have a meaningful conversation, a direct conversation, a heart to heart conversation, one of the ways it begins is eye to eye. See, when we look up into the eyes of our Father, we, we, we don't look up into the eyes of someone who doesn't care. We actually look up into the eyes of the one who sent his son so that we might have life. You will keep the mind that is, in, that is dependent upon you in perfect peace, for it is trusting in you.
this peace is found in Jesus the Messiah. It's the only place to find it. Uh, Philippians uh, reminds us, uh, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, peace is a gift that comes from God. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, comes through prayer and petition. It comes through coming face to face with your God. You might think even of briefly of a story. There's Peter who, who's with the disciples and they're on this boat in the sea in the book of John and the waves are crashing around them and, and, and the storm's kicking up and all of a sudden they see Jesus coming to them. Jesus is Lord over the wind and the waves and Jesus says, Peter, I want you to walk out to me. P Peter walks out by faith and it's only when his eyes drop from Jesus that he begins to sink. So much of our daily life is driven and directed by where are our eyes. And I want to ask you that question today. The power of prayer is that it gets our eyes on God. Where are your eyes today? As you think about your own life, your spiritual life, your physical life, where do your eyes go? Do they go to the security things like your bank account? Do they go to the security of your job or your health? Do they go to security of your family? Where are your eyes today? Increasingly, I'm convicted. My eyes need to be on the Lord more and more and more. And in fact, it's only there that we can find real lasting peace and provision for the things that face us today. Where are your eyes today? Get your eyes on God where we need to be. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much that we can be reminded that you are sufficient for our every need. Lord, even in how you were faithful to your people, Israel, to the covenant you made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God, you are still the same faithful God. You meet us, Lord, in our struggle. You meet us in our doubts. You meet us in our questions. And God, you, you, you invite us to turn to you. you. You invite us to lift our eyes to the hills. From where does our help come from? Our help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And God, I don't know every situation that's going on in the lives of our hearers today. And it may be a really, really, really dark, dire situation. And God, I pray even in this moment, in faith, that we would lift our eyes to you. And as we do that, God, we trust you to meet us there. And it doesn't mean our life will get easy. But it reminds us that you're faithful. It reminds us that you care. It reminds us that your deliverance comes in your timing. So, Lord, while, while, while we're here, God, we want to live for you. We want to be people who meets you daily through prayer. We want to be people who engage with your truth and who are taught through your word. And Lord, we pray that you would do a mighty work in our community, in our families, in, in our state, in our, in our nation, 
and that, that, that Jesus might be lifted up, that our, our, our trust, our faith would be in him today. We bless you, Lord. We thank you for the gift of being able to open your word today. We pray that you would lead and guide us this week. Help us to see the needs of those around. Help us to have our eyes upon you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if there's, uh, I'd like to encourage you and invite you over the next 15, 20 minutes here, just after we finish, download the, um, the discussion guide sheet. Some of it's kind of walking you through some of the stuff we've already walked through, but there's some great questions in there. There's some more scriptures you can look at together as, as a family or that you can engage about with people in your life. And, um, and, and you can take this next, um, this teaching further. Um, one, one of the challenges always of teaching is that I don't know every one of your um, situations because all of ours are different. But I, I'm convinced of this. The more we get our eyes on God with whatever we are looking at, the more we will see what he wants from us, the more we will understand his heart and his passion for us as his kids, and um, the, the more we will walk in the peace of God. So may... May the God of peace this morning, may, may he remind you that he is near to you. May, may, he, um, may he remind you again that you are a dearly loved child of God. May you walk in light of that in the power and the provision of his spirit is our prayer for you today. If there's anything we can do for you uh, to, to serve you, whether it be um, practical or be spiritual or, or anything in between, we want to be able to do that. And so feel free to reach out to us through our contact information I shared earlier. It's also on our website. And we look forward um, to engaging this week um, throughout social media and all that kind of stuff, but get, gathering back here again at 10 a.m. next weekend. Thank you, and God bless you today. <music>